So once again, just want to welcome us all into this place of refuge. I, I felt so deeply in the sitting. What the, This time of year is such a precious time to sink into silence, sink into darkness, sink into this interior dwelling we have. Uh, it's a very buzzy time out there. Um, lots of energy, lots of... Um, cultural messages going on of all kinds, and lots of wonderful things, family gatherings and religious holidays and so forth, but um, all, uh, just, just so wonderful to have that, that silence and to share it together. Um, just a, a, another little word of introduction for those of you that aren't familiar with me. I'm a, obviously a musician and uh, have been involved in progressive folk music, political music, and spiritual music for decades and uh, discovered uh, this practice through Thich Nhat Hanh about 20 plus years ago at an artist retreat that I was invited to be part of. And um, he encouraged 
all of the artists who were gathered there to find Western forms for the Dharma, to not try to become little brown-robed Vietnamese practitioners, but to really make the Dharma a Western practice, and that artists, he felt artists were um, key to that process because of the power of imagery and the power of language. And um, as a songwriter who had never written um, sacred music particularly before, it was a real awakening um, to be invited to do that. And a whole lot of new music just started coming out of me. So um, um, that's kind of how I came to this meeting, this juncture here. And I, I know that you're familiar with the, the truth, many of you are, that, that the Dharma travels very beautifully through song because Eve Decker has been so much a part of this community and has such wonderful, wonderful songs of, of the Paramitas and, and more, and also Jennifer Barazan and, and others. So I, my hope tonight is to really bring a lot of song into our, our evening and try not to talk too much since I'm better at singing than talking, generally. Uh, and um, enjoy the Dharma in that form. This is one of this is really a very favorite time of year for me. I'm a I'm a December birthday. My birthday is next week, and um, I find the way the Earth teaches has different. The Earth has teachings for different seasons. Like the spring is sort of a whole teaching about freshness and. Um, just miraculous, you know, emergings out of who knew where these things emerge and fruition. For me, winter is a real important um, mirror back to me of a truth in life that isn't always an easy truth, which is that all that we know at some point has to disappear, has to unmanifest. Um, There's decay, there's death, there's just the way the earth has to sort of let everything sink down and um, go to sleep for a while and die in order to be reborn. And to me, that is uh, very much what life feels like to me, is, is cycles and cycles of things being born and manifesting and being rich and full and wonderful and, and of course, getting a little attached to that and enjoying so much the... The, uh, the, uh, f- the fruitfulness and the, yes, this is what I always wanted. And then before you know, it's sort of moved on, you know, and there it's, it has to move on and something new comes up. And it's, it, it's a very poignant kind of um, cycle. And this time of year helps me remember that it is natural for things to, to pass on, for things to end, for things to break down. It's not a personal failing on my part, that the really wonderful things that I was manifesting two months ago are suddenly kind of not happening or, or don't seem so meaningful, that that's a very natural progression. So before I go any further, I want to, um, I'm going to move over here for a song. And I wonder if there's a way to dim the lights or reduce them in some way, for those of you who know the hall here. Here we are in the solstice season. I would really like the dark to be a little more a part of our moment here. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, a little better? Yeah, sure. So this song is by a uh, local uh, songwriter, Lisa Hubble. And um, it's an invitation about of how the dark invites us into places that we need to go. There's a part for you And I hope that you won't be too shy about singing. It can really be a practice, because singing is a very embodied experience. It isn't a skill. It's a natural 
human um, instrument. And as you sing, your, your chest may vibrate, your throat vibrates, your head vibrates, and um, your spirit, some, our, I know my spirit is very affected by, by letting my body do what it's born to do. So I encourage you to forget anything you heard about good or bad singing and just practice the, uh, the joy of uh, vibration on pitch or not. <laughs> Here's the music. Darkness calls, darkness calls, darkness calls, darkness calls. So let's try that. It calls on me to 
calls on me to take a leap of faith. Darkness calls, darkness calls, darkness calls. in that song so much and the re- remembrance that for when the darkness is that place of potential in fact Matthew Fox the wonderful radical theologian says this so beautifully he says the sun does not penetrate all of space much of space is dark much of the birth of the cosmos itself was done in the dark the sun has not always existed The seed under the ground is growing in the dark, no less than the fetus in the mother's womb. All mystery is about the dark. All darkness is about mystery. So in this time of of solstice and, and long nights, I think it helps to remember that creativity, newness, the next stage, the, uh, the unknown, all dwells in the darkness. And that it's kind of a, a relief and kind of a rest to move from the manifest world where everything's kind of bright and clear and formed and sort of set in a certain way. It's, it's objects and activities and um, identities and all that. And that and the, the, there's a rest from that in the darkness of not knowing, of formlessness, of um, invisibility and not yet born, potential. So... Um, a good affirmation. Mary Oliver has another, has a wonderful poem about this time of year. Um, Having turned the lights down, I now have to work on this a little bit, (laughs) but it's okay. I like the lights the way they are. Are you okay with it, everybody? It's kind of nice, isn't it? This is called Lines Written in the Days of Growing Darkness, so perfect for December 16th. Every year, we have been witness to it how the world descends into a rich mash in order that it may resume. And therefore, who would cry out to the petals on the ground to stay, knowing, as we must, how the vivacity of what was is married to the vitality of what will be? Who would cry out to the petals on the ground to stay, knowing, as we must, how the vivacity 
of what was is married to the vitality of what will be. I don't say it's easy, but what else will do if the love one claims to have for the world is true? So let us go on. Though the sun be swinging east, and the ponds be cold and black, and the sweets of the year be doomed. song by Joe Crookston and it um, really follows right on Mary Oliver's vision of the, the sweets of the summer descending to go, to go under, to turn into whatever's next. There's a chorus that you'll pick up very easily on this. When my life is over and I
turn myself around again as part of the mystery part of the mystery part of the mystery turn myself around again as part of the mystery part of the mystery part of the mystery turn myself around again part of the mystery when my life is over and i have gone away i'm gonna leave this big old world the trouble and the pain if i get to heaven i will not stay turn myself around again fall down as the rain fall down as the rain fall down as the rain turn myself around again fall down as the rain fall down as the rain myself around again fall down as the rain and just on ooh ooh So this is very ancient, what we're doing, not just in terms of the Buddha Dharma, but in terms of singing in the dark together and finding comfort and, and connection in our voices. That was so you know, beautiful um, and um, so needed, so needed. You know. um, I feel like at the times we live in, and I'm, I'm going to say a few things about that in a moment, but the times we live in have in them a, a great deal of um, enforced disconnection, enforced separateness and isolation, um, and opportunities to be together and to make music out of our own bodies, not out of any electronic anything, and, um, and make vibration together and hold each other in that is uh, precious, it's very precious. I do a lot of singing in, with children um, in schools and at Spirit Rock, and it's so important to me to do that because they don't see that much live embodied music anymore. You know, they live in a very electronic world. And um, so it's pretty important. I'm glad we're doing this tonight. So the the fall down is the rain. The the song is certainly obviously about um, cycles of life and reincarnation, if you will, Um, sort of dwelling a bit on the, um, the physical but the the Buddha the Buddha core teaching one of the core teachings that has been really with me in the last couple of years um, and it's one that I, I've heard of for years but I 
I never could quite get it. It didn't quite speak to me. And uh, the teaching of the no permanent fixed lasting self, you know, and that kind of um, teaching that everything that we think we are is sort of a mind construct. It's something that we, it's a story that we have, and it allows us to move through the world and get from the breakfast table to the, the job, to the grocery, to whatever. But that um, it's, uh, it's not as fixed and stable as we imagine. And we find that out in times of crisis, when we have a, a grave illness or a sudden accident where suddenly we don't have mobility, when we had mobility two seconds ago or someone we love dies, and that, that very real, solid person is not there. And it's, um, it's you know, I mean, we, we know this is true, but to really experience it is quite uh, profound and can be quite devastating. And for me, I've, I've experienced many physical losses, many deaths that have had their, you know, all their poignancies and, and pains. But honestly, one of the hardest things I, that for me has been to realize the loss of identity that is part of being human and being alive. And um, we, all const- we all have identities that, that help us locate ourselves in the world. You know, we can, and we can get a little attached to them. You, can, you know, I was the good daughter in my family. I was the good girl among all the other girls in my family. That was my identity. And it, you know, I, those kind of fixed identities always have some benefits. You know, I got lots of praise and I got lots of special parental attention. But there's always a downside, you know. And the downside is that if I'm not good, who am I, you know? And you know how hard it is to be good 100%. Anybody achieved that recently? <laughs> not possible. So, when, you know, I was very attached to that identity. And then when I failed, it was absolutely devastating because who was I if I wasn't a good girl? So we go on like that. You know, we become, you know, the good mother or the, the good provider or the um, good practitioner or the artist or the whatever your profession is. And, and you know, filling these roles is very, very important to us. And it's, it, we, but we get sticky. You know, it's just sort of our nature to get sticky, you know, and for us to stick to these things and have them stick to us. And that makes change extremely uncomfortable. Right? And a lot of people are experiencing that as they lose jobs in this economy, as they lose homes. Here they were, a good mortgage-paying homeowner, and suddenly they're foreclosed. These are devastating human experiences. And the Buddha kind of said, you know what? Get used to it. You know? <laughs> this is how it is. And, and actually, that the, this, the secret to happiness is to hold it all a lot more lightly, you know, to engage and, and be part of this world. And, and Jesus, I think, said it too, where the world is a loose garment. Don't get too attached, because it's going to change. And probably you all have experienced the exquisitely painful, painful time when we're trying desperately to hold on to something that is obviously dying, obviously dying, a relationship, a uh, role in the world, um, or just a, an inner sense of oneself that is clearly over. But oh, how we hold on, you know. Um, attachment, we, we, we like it, we don't want it to change. We don't know what's going to come next. Um, my, my only son just left for college. 
and I, I would, it would be a lie not to say that I was pretty attached, not just to him. I was actually kind of glad to see him go. I mean, the actual boy was ready to go, you know, and if any of you have ever had a senior in high school, you know it's, you're usually pretty ready by the time they take off. But I was very attached to my identity as a mother and an active mother, kind of building my daily life around him. And um, it uh, surprised me, actually, how shaky I felt when I didn't orient around that. I was like, where's my compass? Where's my North Star? You know? And we know that, you know, that, that matter, these solid, so-called solid things, are actually just all kinds of electrons jumping around and neutrons and who knows what. But it's all just, you know, and that's all any of us is. It's just this zooming kind of mass of electronic energy. But it's hard to navigate a world that's just a lot of chaotic and navigate. So, so thank you for having form. We're, we're grateful for that. You know, it, it, it's interesting. But it's, um, it is a constantly changing reality. So as, as I grow in, in my Dharma practice and in my life, I, I am learning to become more comfortable with the impermanence of things that I dearly love and really enjoy and to know that this, this too shall pass. So the Buddha had, oh, I forgot. I had the best quote, and I forgot it. Doggone it. Um, he has, I'm going to paraphrase him, um, because he at one point said something to this effect. He said, oh, master builder, for many, many lifetimes, I have come into form and built this house. But the house has broken. The rafters have fallen. The center post has crumbled. It will not be built again. It will not be built again. And I feel like that, I know that feeling where everything I thought was mine, everything I thought was my abilities, my function in the world, just crumbled, just crumbled. And I know in some way all of you know what I'm talking about. And what my mentor, Mushim Ikeda Nash, some of you may know her, wonderful, wonderful Buddhist Zen Wonderful person. Anyway, I came. I see her every now and then. So I came to her in the last month, and I was in that place of devastation. My latest house had fallen. I'm good at building houses, and they're good at falling. It's just predictable. Then I build them again. You know. So I came in with my latest bunch of houses down. It was actually a whole settlement that had fallen this time. <laughs> it was a whole hacienda, and um, and I just talked about how. Um, hmm. How can I say this? Um, that realization that one tries so hard to assert an identity in the world and um, make a place for oneself. And even the most well-motivated, altruistic, look-good things that we do <laughs> can, can, if we really look deeply, have that motivation of ego structuring, of the I am somebody who gives dana. I am somebody who does service. I am of, etc. I am somebody, I am somebody, I am somebody. And all of those are wonderful things to do, but again, it's that, that feeling of that, and therefore I am, you know, I serve, therefore I am. And to f- stumble into that motivate, place of motivation and realize it's all just constructing self. I'm just busy constructing self, minute by minute. Whew. So I just was like crying, really, in, in her kitchen over this, and she looked at me and she said, you know, you're in a moment of enlightenment. 
this is what enlightenment is. This is what it looks like. And she said, enlightenment can be hell or heaven, but it's the same reality. It's the same truth. And you may experience it as liberation and joy and freedom, or you may experience it as hell. And I've, I've experienced both, and, and you probably have too. I have a friend whose house burned down, and he stood on the sidewalk watching everything he owned go up in smoke. And he talked about uh, the transition from devastation to liberation, of realizing like, oh, well, done with that. <laughs> Wonder what's next. <laughs> I sometimes feel that way when my car gets towed. <laughs> I'm like, oh, phew. <laughs> oh. Anyway, um, so I want to be sure to stay t- on time here. So I want to shift, shift a little bit into uh, just a few words about the holidays because that's another, another painful, potentially painful time of the year. I grew up in a gift-giving holiday family. My, my, I'm a preacher's kid, and Christmas was a big deal for us. And I, I, and my birthday is two days before Christmas. So get this, you know, all that anticipation, you know how it is when your birthday's coming, and it just gets bigger and bigger in your mind. Oh boy, you know, my special day, and party, and presents, and it's going to be me, 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 you know. And, and then the day comes, and it's pretty good. But is it ever really quite as good as we thought it was going to be? <laughs> I don't know. My, occasionally. Mine, mine was always a little disappointing because usually they forgot it because it was two days before Christmas. And it was just sort of like halfway through the day, my mom would go, oh, my God, you know, and start making a cake. But none, I think it's not just December birthdays. I think there's something about that anticipation and expectation that it never, things never quite live up to what we think they're going to be in fantasy. can be true for relationships. I have friends who are single who just moan and groan and are so so upset because they don't have a lasting relationship. And I'm in a hopefully lasting relationship and I'm like, oh my God, you just don't know how lucky you are. You know, what we just have these, you know, fantasies about things. So so my birthday would come and it was pretty nice and then it would be over and then two days later Christmas would come with all that, oh my God, Christmas. And it was the same thing for me especially because I am a craving type. You know how we're, some of us are kind of craving types and some are kind of aversive types and some of us are just sort of confused. I am a craving type. <laughs> so I was like all about the presence and all about finally getting what I wanted. And below that, I realized now it was all about finally kind of feeling a part of the world, like I'm finally as good as everybody else because I got the sweater just like the girl down the street or the whatever, whatever those presents were that were going to make me as real as everybody else, that little hungry ghost thing that, you know, some of us have going. And it never was good enough. You know, I can remember crying on Christmas Day because it just wasn't good enough, you know. So that's kind of the, the pain and the poignancy of, of high expectations and something's going to be it. It's finally going to make me okay. So I have a son, and wouldn't you know, he's got the same thing. He's got the same thing to the point where I can hardly give him presents anymore because they're never good enough. And we've talked about it a lot, you know, and it's, uh, again, it's similarly for him, the, um, that quest for the, the thing that's going to make him the guy he thinks he's gonna, he really is inside, but he wants everybody to see him that way. So when he was 15, it was a Mustang. You know, now it's gotten worse. I mean, it's like, it's just out of, it's beyond reach. So... So that's the kind of season we're in. And the stores are very, the stores know all about this. The advertisers know all about this. So they're just selling craving a mile a minute. You know, the consumption is on. 
And we're very fortunate to have this practice, you know, to have a little bit of balance and a little bit of understanding that uh, giving, giving is a joy. Giving is such a joy. And, and it's more fun if the person who's receiving it really receives. And the frustration with my son is he doesn't really receive what I, what I want to give him, and so I don't get the joy of giving. So um, I wish for us all, you know, the joy of giving in whatever way you do that in this season. And um, so I do have a little song I think I'll throw in here quickly. Yeah, I think I will. So when he was very young, I decided for a few years that we just wouldn't do any shopping and we would do all homemade um, holiday gifts, which I have to tell you is the most exhausting Christmases I ever had. <laughs> Honestly, you know, all those homemade candles and oh, little cards. But, but it was nonetheless, nonetheless a great experience. So this is a little song about that. Mommy, I made you a rainbow. Daddy, I carved you a boat. Sister and brother, these handkerchiefs are parachutes that float. Grandpa, I wrote you a poem. Grandma, I cut out this star. I wanted to give you my very best gifts from my very own. Cause it's holidays, holy days, candles burning bright. Holidays, holy days, love will bring us light. In the heart of a winter's I don't have much money to buy a gift And the stores are full of crowds When I go inside I get so excited I want it all right now But when I'm safe back home again My heart don't beat so fast I'm glad to be able to sit at this table Make you a gift that will last On these holidays, holy days Candles burning bright Holidays, holy days Love will bring us light In the heart of a winter's is my rainbow Daddy, your arms are my boat Sister and brother we love one another even when we don't and I'm grateful to have a warm house I'm glad I'm not alone thankful for enough to eat so glad that I was born and since love is all that matters I'm as rich as 
lots to share, I've got lots to spare for the whole world family. Let's try singing it together. Cause it's holidays, holy days, candles, candles burning bright. Holidays, holy days, love, love will bring us light. In the heart of a winter's night, in the heart of a winter's night. Holidays, holy days, candles burning bright. Holidays, holy days, love will bring us light. In the heart of So I want to just say a few words about um, kind of how, how we might th- hold the times that we're living in right now. And that's a huge topic, and I'm obviously going to just touch on it. But um, we've been, we collectively as Americans, um, and many of us who are uh, uh, sort of in the political, politically kind of engaged realm, we've gone through quite a lot in the last decade or so. We've had the long Bush era and many people felt that that was a real tough time and that it was a time that we just sort of were breathing through and doing what we could and knowing that it was going to end at some point. And then it ended in the most incredible way with an incredible victory that was so uplifting. And I think many of us worked very hard for that and and felt that almost the culmination of our life, I know for me as a child of the 60s that my activism has been decades, you know, and that, that the election of Obama was an amazing coming together point or, or culminating point. And, um, you know, the, the Dharma is sort of merciless, you know, in its, in its lessons. And we've moved beyond that sense of elation and, and aha, and maybe a little bit of that Christmassy or, or whatever holiday is that kind of like, oh boy, now it's going to be it, you know, now things are really going to be good. Realizing that, well, it's just never that simple, is it? You know, the world is as it is. Um, the wheels of fate, the wheels of karma, national karma, international karma are all turning. And we're all on that wheel together. And um, no blame, in a way. You know, it's like people just are doing what they're doing. People are doing the best they can. But it's, um, it's been quite a ringer. And a very spiritually uh, uh, tearing away a lot of illusion and a lot of attachment. And um, there's, there's things to be grateful for in that, for sure. So the midterm election was kind of the latest um, journey in that, that long, lifelong journey of breathing through things not being as we wish. The, you know, dukkha, the word for suffering, um, I'm sure James has said the, the, the definition, kind of the translation of it, that it isn't, suffering isn't quite right. It's more a sort of off-centeredness, a kind of like, ugh, this just isn't quite right. You know, if, we, if it would just tweak a little that way, it would be so much better. And that there's a kind of core unsatisfactoriness at the heart of life, which sounds so, what's the word, dour, doer, whatever, so depressing. Like, oh, great, life is basically unsatisfactory. I think I'll find another spiritual practice. But 
um, isn't it true that, that it, it is in a certain way always a little dissatisfying because of those expectations and those fantasies and those ideals and um, that, that craving for pleasure and for things to just be a little more pleasant? So the midterm elections were a little more dukkha for, for many. And um, so the day after that election, I, um, I just felt like I needed, to, I needed to sing something. I needed to offer something to the situation. So I'm going to begin to wrap up with, um, with this song. I guess I would just say before I sing that one of the things that Joanna Macy has helped me so much with, uh, I know many of you are familiar with her, Buddhist um, a psychologist and just great thinker, great thinker about time and change and deep ecology. And she, she really has, does a lot of teaching about time and about living in big time and deep time, that in order to survive the, the changes of our hours and minutes and months and years and, and lifespan, in order to endure um, the unsatisfactoriness of it, we need to really live in a big picture of evolution, evolutionary time. And that what we're in the part of now, part of now may be some great birthing, and we're in the labor pains. And that baby, I'll tell you, if that in the birth canal, I was thinking about this for some reason last night, that birth canal must be pretty hard. You're getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed for a long time. And does that baby know it's coming into the light? I don't think so, at least not consciously. So we're being squeezed, you know, we really are. And we're being put through the, the thresher, you know. And it could be in the interest of a great and magnificent birth that we may never see. It may be the dying throes of a, uh, a planet that's gone awry and as a human species isn't going to be able to, to write its course. We really don't know. We don't know what time we're in. So we get to choose whether um, how we see it, how we hold it as midwives of a great birth, as hospice people at the bedside of a, a great dying. Either way, it's a, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a time to love. It's a time to be there. It's a time to be present to each other and to whatever is happening. And the Dharma, thank, thankfully, you know, gives us that, that practice in just staying present to what is happening with love, you know, with an openness, as much open heart as we can. So this is the song that came out of all that reflection. Better time to love. 
never tell the story We have to learn it on our own Reach for the truth you can believe in The times are urgent, take it slow When even faith and hope lie broken When all we do is not enough We face the dark with eyes wide open There is no better time to will never tell the story But we have known it all along And in this silence we remember And note by note we find the song Let's sing together what is broken We'll never know if it's enough We're holding hands with eyes wide open There is no better time to love Give me your hand with eyes wide open There is no better time to love Thank you for your deep listening. Your, um, I can feel your hearts, your spirits. And we have a few moments. Um, I, Dave, James said, leave some time for questions. And I don't know if this is the kind of Dharma talk that would generate questions. But if there's anything anyone would like to share, or if you've been moved in a way where your own, you have a teaching you'd like to share with us or anything, please, we have time for that. And we have, have the microphone for that. Kind of loving the silence, huh? Great. Well, I will um, share one poem then. If anyone, last call. Okay, I'll share a last poem, and um, I um, haven't yet put out my little email list, but I'll put that out and hope to see you wherever our wherever we land together. Probably here again. Um, again, solstice celebration with Jennifer um, Saturday night. I'm having a big um, birthday celebration in the new year. It was going to be in January, but I think I'm going to do it in February uh, because I have a new CD coming out, and I'm so so happy about it. It's it's the first CD I've done in a very long time that's just me singing my songs. It's not a group singing CD or a children's CD. It's it's sort of my adult music material. So. 
um, if you get on my mailing list, you'll find out when that's when that's out. But um, anyway, thank you again so much for your wise and generous and loving hearts. And um, may your holidays be full of the joy of giving and receiving. This is called Revelers by Lynn Unger, who's a Unitarian minister. Revelers. Call it a spare time, dark afternoons and the bones of trees rattling against the sky. We could use more hope or reason for hope. The sea is rising and bombs are planted in the marketplace. It might be better to just go to bed. It might be better to turn out the lights and wait for the end to come. The only other choice is dancing. That and to sing sturdy songs that have held up across the winters. Drink wine, the deep red of blood that has not been shed. Feast, tell tales of heroes who strode or stumbled through their own bleak times. When in doubt, revel in the darkness. Each act of celebration is a spark. Together, they bring back the sun. So I want to dedicate the merit of the evening. May all that has been shared and felt, intended for all the awakening that we have had together, for all the emotion of the heart and wisdom of the mind and spirit, May all of this rise and travel far and wide to every corner of the earth, to those who are cold, who are hungry, who are living in violence and poverty, to all those who are wealthy and still not fulfilled, for all the animals, all living beings, May they be well. May our practice benefit our entire beloved planet. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.